How do you feel about good news, bad news? It turns out that there is a whole genre of jokes all about good news, bad news. And they're not very good jokes. I went on some websites this past week and tried to scan through some, and these are the top two that I found uh, in my apologies ahead of time. Here's the first one. I have some good news and bad news about Bob. Tell me the bad news first. Two weeks ago, Bob fell into an upholstering machine and suffered terrible injuries. What's the good news? The good news is he's now fully recovered. <laughs> but I'm pumped. Shh. All right. And these are the best, okay? <laughs> the other day, I dropped a knife and it cut off my toe. After reattachment surgery, the doctor came into my room and said, I have good news and bad news. Tell me the bad news first. The bad news is that we mistook a piece of candy for your toe. No way. What, what's the good news? The good news is that the surgery was successful. What are you trying to tell me, Doc? You now have a tic-tac-toe. <laughs> it turns out that in the passage we have today, there's this encounter between Jesus and Peter that has good news and bad news. Good news and bad news. And so as we read our text this morning, here's my challenge to you. See if you can pick out what the good news is and what the bad news is. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them to John chapter 13, verses 36 through 38. John 13, verses 36 through 38. Um, if you brought your Bibles, um, that's awesome. Feel free to make use of one of the ones we provide in the rows. We'll also put it on the screen. And if you're live streaming with us, welcome. We're so glad you're a part of the service and feel free to grab your Bible as well. Hear the Word of God. Simon Peter said to Jesus, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. May God bless the reading of his word, and may God shine his favor upon us as we engage his word and come under it this morning. Could you hear the good news? Could you pick out the bad news? Let's start with the bad news. Do you know that there's actually a, uh, some research has been done on this. There was a study that came out of uh, some people at UC Riverside. And in their study, they found that some 75% of recipients of good news, bad news, prefer to hear the bad news first. Tear the Band-Aid off. Show me what's wrong. And then end on good news. So let's start with the bad news. Here's the bad news. Jesus tells Peter, you are going to deny me three times before the night is over. Imagine how he felt. 
he had been following Jesus over the past few years. He had been with him in thick and thin, and he had built this relationship with him and, and had given up all things to follow Jesus. And, and Jesus says, before the night's over, you who say that you would die for me before the night's over, you're going to deny me three times. Maybe we already know how that feels. Maybe it might be a little bit like in a classroom where you know that you've tried hard all semester long and, and you've, you think you've done well and, and the final's coming up and, and you go to your teacher and, and, and you say that, you know, I, I'm going to study hard and, and, and I, I'm going I'm to pass this test. I'm going to pass the final with flying colors. You, you'll see, and the teacher goes, no, I'm pretty sure you're going to fail. Or, or, or what if it's a work environment and, and you've got this big uh, meeting coming up and, and it's with uh, the company's main client and, and your boss or maybe the, the, the CEO comes into your office and, and says, you know, by the time the meeting's over, you're going to lose this client for us. Or maybe even closer to home. Maybe we've been there before where we've had a parent come to us and simply said, you know, before the night's over, your mom and I or your dad and I are going to be so disappointed in you. Maybe you know that feeling. So here's Peter with his Messiah and as the Messiah says, before the night is over, you who say you will die for me, you're going to deny me three times. You know, in some ways, Peter himself shouldn't be very shocked by this. And we shouldn't be shocked, especially those of us that may have read through the Gospels before. This shouldn't become as shocking news that, that Peter may have overstated his position. If we were to go back to Mark chapter 8 and verses 31 through 33, we find this encounter between Jesus and Peter. Jesus says to uh, his disciples, he says, you know, the Son of Man, which again, we've, we've made it clear that's how Jesus would refer to himself. The Son of Man is going to be arrested and he's going to suffer. He's going to die and then he'll be raised back to life. And, and the text tells us that Peter took Jesus aside and rebukes him. Now remember, in the, in the passage in Mark chapter 8, just before this little story occurs, it's Peter that says that, Jesus, you're the Messiah. So picture that. Jesus, Jesus was just called by Peter being the Messiah, and now Peter goes to who he has called the Messiah, whom, whom he has called the Messiah, and says, you're wrong. Or how about the time we talked about just a couple weeks back during the, the time when Jesus is washing the disciples' feet and he goes around to the disciples and he comes to Peter and, and Jesus washing their feet and Peter goes, there's no way you're going to wash my feet. And of course, Jesus has to correct him. Unless I wash your feet, you can have no part of me. 
And then even in our own situation here in this, in this text we have, in verse thir- 36, this is the question that Peter asks Jesus. Lord, where are you going? If we move just back in the conversation a little bit, in what we looked at uh, last week, we know that, that Jesus had said, you know, in just, I, I'm going to be with you just for a little while, and, and communicating, I, I'm, I'm departing, uh, I'm taking off, I'm moving forward. And then he, what Jesus does is he gives this command, he goes, a new command I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, so you must love one another. If you love, uh, uh, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. And so Peter's question isn't about this new command that Jesus gives. It's not like Peter comes to Jesus and goes, you know, uh, okay, so you want us to love one another as you loved us. I want to do that well. How do I do that well? Can, can you, his, the question is not about his own weakness moving into something that God has, something that Jesus called him forward in. But instead he questions Jesus in his wisdom. Lord, where are you going? It seems that Peter, when we look at this pattern in his life, that Peter suffered from a heightened regard for his own understanding and wisdom. That Peter suffered from a, 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 height, a heightened regard for his own understanding and wisdom. It's like Peter says, I know better. I know better. Jesus, I hear you, but I think I know better. It turns out that he's not the only one that suffers from this. It's all too common. Maybe you've heard it said before in a Bible study, or, or maybe each one of us has said it before in some kind of a conversation, maybe even in the car ride uh, on the way home from church. That phrase, well, here's the way I see it. Here's the way I see it. Believing that somehow our opinion or how, how we see things will trump anything we might see in Scripture. And for instance, like if we were to look at that line that Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, or do good to those who persecute you. And then we take that, and we go, oh, that's a great statement, that's, but here's how I see it. Or, or, we, might, or we might say, well, I, I hear that, but it really doesn't apply to this situation with my brother-in-law. Or yes, I, I affirm that that's a teaching of Jesus, but it doesn't really apply in that situation with my neighbor, who just gets on my nerves all the time. Or that person that, that, that I feel wronged by. It's good stuff, but it just doesn't apply here. I think I know better. Or how about when Jesus says, you cannot serve both God and money. And we hear that, and, and we can take all of his other teachings on wealth and, 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 and money, and, and we go, yeah, that's great. Unless it's in my situation. And then I think, I think I know a little bit better that I can go ahead and, and serve both God and money and, and hold it all in balance really well. Or, or unless it has to do with my retirement, because I really want to be able to do this in my retirement. And, and, and so I'll love Jesus and I can do both. Here's how I see it. Or when Jesus says, and you will be my witnesses. 
In fact, we could take a bunch of his teachings. He says, you are the salt of the world. And he goes, you are the light of the world. And you're supposed to let your light shine. And he says, go and make disciples of all people. And, and, and then we go, well, here's how I see that. I, I get it. Jesus calls us to these things. But does it really apply in these? Like if I'm with my team, if I'm with my soccer team, do I really? Maybe that's not the best place. Or, or at work, at work, you know, I've got these promotions coming up, plus it's a policy. We just don't talk about faith and those kind of things at work. So I know a little bit better. Here's how I see it. One more that Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, we affirm that. We sing it in songs. But then we get to that point in we find that maybe it might be a little struggle here and I want to seek other things. And, and, and so I affirm it and yet I don't. Here's how I see it. So here's the bad news. It was true about Peter. It turns out to be true about each one of us. We are weak. And we are sinful. And we are prone to selling Jesus out for a trifle. <laughs> This is the bad news. We're weak, and we're sinful, and we're prone to sell Jesus out for a trifle. I like that word trifle. The word trifle, it means, you know, something of very little value. But also in Britain, it happens to mean this multi-layered sponge cake, right? So you have sponge, 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 sponge. And in between, you got jelly and cream, jelly and cream, jelly and cream. You got fruit all over the top of it. And we're weak, and we're sinful, and we're prone to sell Jesus out for a sponge cake. And the sponge cake can be for anything that we desire. Maybe it's a level of comfort or, or something tantalizing. And we're willing to sell Jesus out in the moment for whatever that trifle is. Well, if that's the bad news... What do we do about it? I think one of the first things we do is we just stop pretending that the bad news doesn't exist. We stop pretending that we're not those things. We just fess up to it. I'm weak. I'm sinful. And I'm prone to sell Jesus out for a trifle. If that's the first thing we do, I think the next thing we can do is simply begin to depend on him more. If we acknowledge that we're weak and sinful and prone to sell Jesus out, like Peter, then the next thing we can do is simply depend on Jesus more. Make that choice. I love the way that Paul puts this. So Paul, and this is in 2 Corinthians 11.30, here's what Paul says. If I must boast, I will boast in, of the things that show my weakness. Listen, this is as, as much of a message for me as anybody else. That rather than going in and, and finding ways to prop ourselves up or to, to say, well, here's how I see it, or to offer our opinion as though we know better than what God has revealed, that we would boast in the things that that illustrate, that show, that reveal our own weakness. Or in Galatians 6.14, when, when Paul puts it this way, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ 
by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. To boast in the cross. You know, if it weren't for the grace of Christ, I would be lost. Can you see yourself saying those words or words similar to them? You know, if it weren't for the grace of Christ, if it weren't for Christ's death on the cross, I would be lost. Can you imagine with a coworker, with a neighbor, with someone on your team being able to go, I, I hear you. I, uh, I, I, get, I hear the struggle you're going through with your family. You know, for me personally, if it weren't for the grace of Christ, his death on the cross, I would be lost. That is my security. That's what is the foundation of my life. I don't have to hold you up with my opinions. I can offer you the grace of Jesus Christ in his death on the cross. By the way, this is so relevant, so relevant to this year especially. I, we've been talking about it, that, that this year we're going to be listening. That we're, going to, we're going to lay out a time where we're going to be listening for what God wants to say to our congregation. And, and we want to be able to then respond to what we hear from God and and, but this approach of going, that we're not going to enter that time of just saying, I've got my own opinions, like, like I'm full of myself. So let's not enter that time with as highly opinionated know-it-alls. But we're going to come to that time as weak servants that we are, fully dependent on our Master desiring to boast in him alone. So the bad news. The bad news is that we are weak and sinful. Peter, you're going to deny, deny me. You're weak. You're sinful. You're prone to selling me out. So what's the good news? Well, just as we needed to hear the bad news, we, we need to know reality. We need to know truth and acknowledge it. We also need to hear the good news. So in verse 36, we find these words of Jesus where he, uh, he says to Peter, where I am going, you cannot follow. Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. But you will follow. But you will follow. You know, this sermon today is part of the series we started last week, uh, which we're referring to as Departures and Arrivals. And it turns out that in this section of Scripture, in the tail end of chapter 13 through all of 14, Jesus talks about his, his departing and, and his uh, returning and, and our staying and our remaining and our departing. And, and there's all this movement. It's like this wonderful uh, board in the airport where we see the departures and arrivals showing up. And Jesus is showing these departures and arrivals. And as he does, he attaches teaching to them. And so this morning, we find this Jesus saying, saying that I'm departing. Where, in fact, where I'm going, you can't follow, but you will. But you will follow afterward. Listen, we know that Jesus is going to die. We know that, that in this story, as it's laid out in the gospel, we know that we read it, that, that Jesus is pointing, that in fact, we talked about last week, that, that Jesus indicates in a couple different passages that where he is going is going to the Father. We know he's going to the cross. We know he's going to die. We know he's going to the Father. We know he's going into the divine realm. He's going, listen, you cannot follow. Jesus, as the fully God, fully human, has to be the one that dies on the cross for the sins of the whole world, for the brokenness of the whole world. 
But then he says to Peter, but you will follow. Well, it turns out that for Peter, this means that there's, there's this added meaning that, that even the death of Jesus, the pattern of Jesus' death, that Peter's going to share in that pattern. There's this passage in John chapter 21, verses 18 and 19. It reads like this. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself. This is Jesus talking to Peter. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And then there's this parenthetical explanation. This Jesus said to show by what kind of death Peter was to glorify God. Then after saying this, he said to Peter, follow me. Peter messed up. He denied Jesus. He, he sold Jesus out for a, a trifle. He, he says, I don't know him. I, I, I don't know him. He sold Jesus out for his own well safety, his own comfort in that situation in the courtyard. I don't know him. I don't know him. I'm not one of them. Jesus says to Peter, you're going to deny me and feel horrible about it, but I'm going to restore you. I'm going to restore you. See, you're going to follow me afterward. I like the way that Luke describes the situation in his gospel. In chapter 22, verse 32, um, Jesus says this to Peter as he talks about his denials. He says, and when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Don't you love that? Jesus telling his disciple, listen, you're going to deny me, but I tell you what, when you turn again, strengthen your brothers. He calls them back into ministry. He calls him into that leadership role that he had been set aside for. By the way, if you, when we read the Gospels, and many others have said this, that we're supposed to see ourselves in the life of the disciples, especially in the life of Peter, that, that he's us. Peter is us. We are Peter. And this is good news for us because we have a call like uh, Peter had. It's God's view of the church. So, Peter had this call on his life to be a leader among God's people, to be an apostle, uh, and to even strengthen the other apostles. And we know that in the Bible, in different places, it talks about the, the people who follow Jesus to be the body of Christ, that we, would, we all together have this calling on our life. And it talks about God giving grace to each one of us, and we, each one of us have spiritual gifts, and we're to use these gifts together. Here's this wonderful description in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. The whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. That's all of us, you, me, all Christians all over the world. Joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is you, this is, this is Peter, this is you, that, that we have this calling on our lives. And it turns out that we have a death like Peter's. Not a physical death like Peter's, but, but something that, if Peter shared something of the image of Jesus' own death, and that, that if he died on a cross, there, there's this cross death that each one of us experiences every day. Jesus put it this way. He says, if anyone would come after me, let that person deny herself and take up her cross daily and follow me. 
let that person deny himself and take up his cross and daily and follow me. That we would die to ourselves and live for him. This is the good news. We may be weak and sinful and, and prone to selling Jesus out for a trifle, but Jesus says, hey, return and I'll restore. This is it. We're forgiven and we're loved and we're called into the work of Christ. So what does this good news mean for us? Well, first, for us to be able to ask that question of ourselves, when we read, you will follow, do we receive that as good news? Is that good news to us? Or do we kind of go, uh, do I really want to follow? Or do we go, praise God. Praise God. I get to follow even though I blew it, even for the 27th time, the 400th time, the 1,000th time, I blew it. And he says, when you turn again, do the stuff I have for you. Is that good news to us? The second thing would be then, if we can say, yes, I, I want that news, that, that I receive that as good news, that, that we would then develop that pattern of turning again, of returning to Christ. Later this year, as we keep asking this, what God do you have for us? What, what word do you have for our congregation as we move forward? We'll want to have this pattern of return so that whatever God would reveal to us, that we go, yes, God. Not that, well, I think I know a little bit better than you, but we would say, yes, God. But we don't have to wait till later this year because for each one of us, if there is any place in our life currently where we are denying Jesus' truth, where we're denying Jesus' teaching in our life. This is the best day right now to be able to say, I am so sorry, and I turn again. I acknowledge I'm weak, I'm sinful, but I also acknowledge, God, that, that through Jesus Christ, you restore me, and I want to step into that calling you have on my life. I do not know better than you. Good news bad news. The bad news, we are inherently sinful, given to wrong-headed self, uh, um, uh, selfish pride. We're prone to self-justified disobedience and offending God. The good news, Jesus welcomes us back and calls us into ministry. So I personally can't wait till we get into all of these departures and arrivals that come to us in the rest of uh, John chapter 14. It'll be wonderful to see how he explains all and lays it all out for what his people are to do after he departs. We know that one day Jesus will return and we will all depart when he does. We will all join him in, in going into the new world, the new heaven and the new earth. But what we do between now and that time could not be more important. What we do any given day is worship. We have this choice. Will we worship ourselves? Will we worship a trifle? Or will we worship the living God? Jesus says, you will follow. Does that mean taking up our cross? Yeah. But does it also mean participating in the resurrection? Absolutely. Let's pray together.
Father, we thank you that there was one such as Peter who could represent us, who made choices like a lot of us make every single day. God, you know where we are denying Jesus in our life. You know where we take his teachings and think that we know better. Would you catch us up? Would you call us back? Would you help us turn and return? And even now we acknowledge and we praise you for how you restore us, how through the power of your spirit you, you work in our lives and you equip us for all the work that you have for us. Would you find in us, would you be honored by our faithfulness to you even this day in the days to come? That others would be able to see our lives and see something, see something with great clarity of your grace and your love and your greatness. We give you praise. We pray all this in Christ's name.